When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Christian Blood, KTSA News, and now it's time for the Jack Riccardi Show. Hey, happy National Radio DJ Day at the Christian Blood. Well, thank you very much, Mr. Riccardi. We're doing the entire show in this voice. I'll do the news next hour the same right. way. <laughs> Coming at you with the di- I, uh, but no, I mean, you know, I would, uh, I'd like to wish the four remaining, uh, radio disc jockeys in America a happy, uh, national radio. <laughs> There's four? Is there that many? I think they hired an extra one, yeah. All right, okay. Uh, but yeah, no, today, I don't know why it's today. I don't know the backstory on it. I don't know if there's some significance to January 20th or that was just available, but, um, yeah, it's, uh, and I did not have, I ran out of time to find an embarrassing photo of myself as a, uh, as a disc jockey, so we'll have to wait till next year for that. Um, I don't want to wait till next year. Why would we wait? <clears throat> well, actually, nobody really wants to wait. Nobody really wants it. So, hopefully, forget <laughs> about it. But uh, I think. But you is... you told me that you were a DJ back in the back in the day oh, before yeah. your your news career. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. I'll tell it because can... actually that was the only way to start in radio. Um, right. For most of us, and 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 now I guess that would actually not be true. But that was sort of the entry level job and boy did i sound it is that good or bad so, uh, it was bad it was very bad well it anyway got, it all got right, you I'll to this you, point so you know I'll, that's true <laughs> i'll i'll let you get back to work anyway um welcome to our friday show welcome to our dreadful little show and feel free to join the show at 210 599 i'm gonna tell you two quick stories uh about uh i was on two calls today that i said i gotta i gotta talk about this on the air so um I call and I'm not going to name them because I love these people, but um, I call my bank this morning, and um, you call you you know you press the right numbers and you get to the right department and I get customer service, and the lady said, um, you know, she asked for uh, my name and she asked for my account number, and she asked for the last four digits of my social. And then she said, we have verified your, uh, we have verified you via voice print. They now can recognize that it's you by, by voice print. So, which is pretty cool, right? I mean, that's, I, I didn't know that was, they, they were doing that. Then she says to me, now could I have your, um, code word? I don't think she called it a code word. She called it something else, your security word. And I, I had no idea what she was talking about. And I'm pretty sure, and now I gotta say, I forget a lot of stuff because my brain is falling apart, but I'm pretty sure I don't have one. And I said that to her. I said, I don't, I don't know the code, code word. And she said, Oh, well, you would have a code word to, to, um, and add a layer of security. Now I'm thinking if they've identified my voice, why do I need the code word? Like I, the, the code word, somebody could get the code word and give the code word. But how are they going to get my voice? 
Are they going to record me and then like edit it into a conversation with the bank where they'll take out the, I probably shouldn't say that because somebody will. But I mean, so I said to her, well, I, I, I don't, I, I don't know it and I don't think I've ever had one to be honest. And then she said, well, that's all right. Then we don't need it. Well, then why did you ask for it? Maybe they're bored. I don't know. There's passing time. She'd already done Wordle for the day. She, you know, I don't know. But I mean, you have the voice print. That's pretty good. I mean, that's, that is pretty darn good. I mean, this isn't Mission Impossible. I call text tag, a uh, Texas tag today or texttag.org, the people with the, you know, the little window, windshield stickers so you can go on the toll roads. And again, you go through all the layers, right? You know, press one, press seven, press five, press two. So finally I get to a woman and, um, very nice, very nice lady. And, um, she asked for my name and I gave her my name. She asked for my account number with text tag. And I said, well, I don't, I don't have that. I just have a question. She goes, well, I need your account number. And I said, well, this is just a question about and, and all it was was I, I'm changing vehicles, and I had a question about um, switching the vehicle that's on the account. I wasn't going to do it with her. I just wanted to know if I could do it, how I could do it on the website. So we went back and forth with the, well, but I need your account. And I said, well, you don't need my account just to give me information. I just I, I just am interested in how to do this. I, I'm not asking you to do anything. I'm not going to make any change. There's no, no, there's no risk here. I mean, and she was fine, and we finally got to where she I, she understood, oh, this guy just has a question. Trevor Noah, the comedian, uh, tw- who's very funny. You may not like his politics, but he's a very funny guy. He tweeted out last night, it's amazing how you can subscribe to any service instantly, and they'll take your money with one click. But when you try to cancel... Suddenly you need to call their helpline, which is always too busy, and so you have to find a dragon to fly you to Mordor to slay your subscription in the flesh. But have you ever noticed that the easiest thing to do is become their customer, and then everything else is harder? Questions, modifications, change the account, change the... And then, of course, canceling is like... it's a, it's a it's a maze. It's like you're one of those little mice and you have to go through the maze. I mean, I understand they don't want you to cancel. But it's kind of frustrating, right? Like you're, when you're a customer of, I don't know, like a streaming service, all the time you're seeing ads. Join now for half price. Get three months free. Join now for nothing. And, and yet you're thinking, I'm a, I'm a paying customer and I have to go through hell. To ask a question. You ever notice that? I'm not grumpy. I'm just observant. I'm just making an observation. I read a thing about being grumpy today because a lot of people think I am, and I think I am. And I thought this was very interesting. Uh, A new study from the University of Arizona found that people in a bad mood uh, actually think more clearly. When you're in a bad mood... Uh, your brain becomes more perceptive. Um, they took a group of test subjects and they tried to manipulate their moods with clips from sad movies and clips from sitcoms. So they were modifying people's moods, making them 
grumpier or making them happier. And then they gave them a series of things to do, like editing a short paragraph or listening to a uh, a paragraph and, and answering questions. And it turns out that the brain activity in the grumpy people was faster. So if I am grumpy, you should be grateful. Just saying. But I'm not. But it seems like I am. So this was interesting. Um, there's a conservative, young conservative guy named C.J. Pearson uh, who I follow, and he did a thing. This has gone viral. He, he, he went out and did a man on the street, person on the street, uh, deal on the Santa Monica Pier. I think it was last week or last weekend. He went up to young women, and he asked them, which would you rather have, the right to an abortion or the right to vote? Which would you rather have, the right to an abortion or the right to vote? He says every one of them chose the right to an abortion. And so he writes this piece about Generation Z, and I wrote about it today, and I did a Jack Riccardi Just a Minute video about it at KTSA.com. And basically, people our age are very frustrated by children and our grandchildren, Generation Z, because they're so far to the left, their choices are are so far from the ones we would make, they seem to embrace socialism, and and yet his point, and, and, and I totally agree with him, is no matter how frustrated or confused or befuddled you are by young people, you can't give up. I mean... You just can't because they're the biggest demographic group eligible to vote in the next election. And whether we like it or not, and whether we succeed or not, we're going to need to make our best case. We're going to need to uh, give it our best shot. And that means listening to them as well as talking to them. But when you think about young people, and I'm talking now about people in their teens and early 20s, we've just been through this pandemic that arguably was worse for them than any other group. I know we've heard a lot about the nursing homes and stuff, but if you think about it, people like my daughter's age, she's about to turn 18, they lost out on things you don't get another shot at. Education, graduation, prom, other rites of passage. They will never have another bite of those apples. Now, we we lost time doing things, we lost time with people we care about, we lost income. You you do get another shot at that. They will not. And they also, I think you could argue, if they're really young, this is really their whole memory is of the nanny state and tyranny. And, and so on the one hand, they've got this kind of distorted view But on the other hand, there's also an opportunity. They're very frustrated. They're angry. And they've only heard half the story. You know, if you're, if you're young and you've been through public schools or you're at a college, you've only heard half of American history. You've only heard half about half of, of what capitalism is. You've only heard one half of the story. You, you are not getting the whole story. And we're the ones that can tell it. And then I think about 
And you may be listening to this right now and going, well, that sounds great, but good luck, Jackie. They're already lost. It's too late. But think about all the young people in the news taking principled stands right now. Female athletes trying to defend the integrity of their sports and their competitions, or the Covington Catholic kids, or I could name several others, but there are young people standing up, and they can't be the only ones. And I don't think they are. You may disagree with me that we're not going to be able to put this over or make our case, but as far as I'm concerned, we've got to try anyway. What do you think about the voting age, which is currently 18 and has been since the 26th Amendment was ratified about 50 years ago? You know, I've heard people say, again, in frustration, we just got to raise the voting age. This is killing us. The vote harvesting, the, you know, uh, the, the, the mobilization of young voters. I mean, young voters are why we got Joe Biden as president. Young voters are why we got Democratic majorities in the House and Senate, uh, Democratic majorities in the states. The Democrats in the House are going to introduce a resolution next week to lower the voting age to 16. They know what they're doing. Would you lower it? Would you raise it? Would you leave it right where it is? Um, Anyway, look... uh, Young people voting, um, I remember voting for the first time. Um, the way my birthday fell, I was 19 when I voted for the first time because I turned 18 in a non-election year. But anyway, I was 19. I was very excited, I've told this story before, to vote for the re-election of President Ronald Reagan. But don't read too much into that because other than that vote, I was an idiot at 19. I had all kinds of stupid, crazy notions that, I mean, I still have them, but they're different now. Anyway, I, I don't know that we can overlook the fact that you are not at your best. You have not reached the pinnacle of reason and logic at 18. But I don't think tinkering with the voting age is really going to get us anywhere. It's a very cumbersome process to change it. You need a constitutional amendment. I I, I would really not sort of mess with that. You may think 18 is too young. You may think it's it should be this or should be that. But I, I think the bigger issue is for those of us who are concerned with the way Generation Z is voting and thinking, are we really showing them our best. And I'm guilty of this too. Are we are we just sort of you know guffawing about some of this stuff and you play the TikTok videos and uh and then you you know you look at the emergence of somebody like AOC who is a product of that generation. She's not actually of that generation, but she's obviously a product of that that voting block and you think, "Well, what am I? What am I going to say? You know, how can I? These people are lost, and and maybe they are, but I don't think we can afford to not at least try. And when I think about what has never been laid in front of them, when I think about the the pieces of the American story no one has told them. When I think about the lies about capitalism that they have been told and believe. When I think about the popular culture, 
you and I can consume the popular culture and excrete the stuff that is stupid and and and, and inaccurate or or uh, biased because we have some perspective. They're not as able to do that. I'm not, it's not a put down. That's just a fact. You weren't when you were 18 or 19 either. So, can you can you see a way through, or can you at least see that there's a need to fight for that vote and fight? And remember, uh, some weeks ago we talked about whether um, new immigrant voters would really all vote for Democrats because of the presumption that most Democrats and frankly most Republicans make is that the influx of new immigrants equals an influx of new Democratic voters, but. There was some difference of opinion about that because of where a lot of new vote, new immigrants have come from, their past experience with things like socialism and tyranny, their work ethic, and the fact that even if they do come over here and they are going to become Democratic voters and they do have some sense of gratitude to the Democrats, that's not permanent. You change over time. You probably have. I, I know I have. And, and, of course, every demographic group in this country has evolved and changed over time. You know, the whether you're talking about the black vote or the women's vote or the Italian-American vote or whatever, these things move over time. 210-599-5555. I, I do think when you look at what's been poured into their heads, when you look at the world they're living in, when you look at what we've just done to them, it's not so surprising or inscrutable that Generation Z would be where they are, that they would be thinking, maybe there's something to this socialism. Maybe we need universal basic income. They're not right, but they're not crazy to think some of the things they think that, that are crazy to us, because, again, the path they've been on, the experiences we've, we've put them through, I'm not saying they're victims. I'm not boohooing over them. I'm not saying they've had a horrible, terrible, hard scrabble. Just that neither democracy nor capitalism has shown them its best. And they've been fed a lot of lies by people they trust or trusted. So tell me what you think, and we're going to talk about the voting age. 210-599-5555. You know... It's been a very long time since we talked about this subject, but uh, after we update KTSA Time Saver Traffic, I want to go back to the idea of the so-called fair tax, which is the, um, you've, you've probably heard of it, uh, sometimes it's referred to as a consumption tax. It is the proposal that you replace the income tax, you get rid of the IRS, you don't just fire the 87,000 new agents. You get rid of the IRS, or most of it. And we don't pay taxes on income. We pay taxes on consumption every time we purchase. So there's no tax on saving money. There's no tax on um, earning money. There's only a tax on what you spend. The reason I'm bringing it up is because the House is going to vote on a fair tax. And it probably can't go anywhere past the house if it even gets through the house. And joining the show in the KTSA Connecticut Quality Water Softeners Newsmaker line is Steve Hayes, the president of Americans for, Federa- for Fair 
taxation, Americans for Fair Taxation. Website is fairtax.org. And um, it's kind of like uh, kind of like we were talking about night court. Uh, the fair tax is back. Uh, Steve Hayes, welcome back. Good afternoon to you. Thank you, Jack. No, it's 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 never been away, but it's been fighting against what looks like a totally shut door because of the entrenched establishment in D.C. and the fact that they mm-hmm. do not want to give up their income tax and their ability to control all of us, each of us, and dictate to us what we can keep of our money. So it's in their control, not ours. And yeah. it's also an incredible profit maker for them in their campaigns. I mean, they can sell vested interest for yeah. huge amounts of money, benefits. So there's a huge uproar. I bet you're hearing it as far as San Antonio from all of the stuck people. I was going to call, use another word. Well, you know, when we when we started talking about it years ago, when we started talking about it years yeah. ago, Steve, it was mainly the the onerous nature of the income tax, the the uh, negative incentives that it has on the economy. That was before right. you got the whole weaponization of the IRS uh, component and um, really kind of the new populism that's in the Republican Party. So for folks that don't know or maybe are hearing this for the first time, what is the so-called fair tax or consumption tax? What would that be? Jack, it's a very simple proposal to eliminate the way government is now funded through the personal and corporate income tax, estate tax, gift tax, how our money for the payroll taxes, Social Security and all, and Medicare are withheld through our paychecks. Eliminate all of that and replace it with a national retail sales tax, like the state sales tax, that's collected at the register. You don't keep your records. You simply pay your tax as you make purchases of retail goods and services, new ones, by the way. And that's what it is. We, you get your whole paycheck, and then you decide, not Congress, not some bureaucrat, as to how much tax you're going to pay because it's based on how much you spent. Mm-hmm. I seem to remember that there were people that were proposing, uh, like carve outs or ex- I don't know, exemption is the right word, but is there is there anything more to it as far as uh, income or exemptions well, of of, well, of products well, or sales? Well, rather than do an exemption, which typically, like California studies showed, that when they exempted food, it cost them a lot more money because people in higher income brackets used it most. It was not really targeted down to the lower income. And the way we've tried to solve that is to give a prebate, which allows each month every person in America, depending on their family size, who's a legal resident, to get a check, which will cover the fair tax that would be due for a family of four on about the first $3,000 a month of purchases. So they would be effectively making $3,000 a month of purchases mm-hmm. without mm-hmm. paying any tax. You know, No Social Security withholding because they get their whole paycheck. Mm-hmm. It's basically something that is trying to give you an exemption because, you know, we think about it now. People say, well, food should be exempt. Well, under the present system, it's not, Jack, because when you look at it and you can find something like a $3 item at a grocery store, good luck, but let's say you find it and you go to buy it, how much money did you have to earn to net the $3? Now, let me ask you this, Steve Hayes, because I, I, you know, so far so good. 
But you've heard all the objections. The the, the New Republic yeah. just did an article uh, basically daring Republicans to pass this because it will be so unpopular. It'll be a 30% right. tax on goods. Uh, people will think of the Republicans as the party that raised the price of every single thing uh, they have to buy. Um, and so their argument is this is an idea being driven by a small sliver of people but it isn't a, a mainstream uh, idea, and it's not an idea that most people even understand. What is your response to that? Well, one of the things that they're really talking about is forget the fact that you're losing the system, but a lot of those people have a vested interest in hiding the fact that we're taking 30% out of the economy today in taxes. The only reason it's 30% is because that's what's required to raise the same revenue being raised by all those taxes it repeals. So what you've got in Congress, the thing they fear the most, is that people like you and I are going to see how much they're really costing us and taking out of our lives. The fair tax puts it on the table so every single person who's a purchaser, which is basically everybody, is going to see the cost of government. It absolutely terrifies them because they've hidden it so well in all the ways they have taxed, mm-hmm. they hide it in mm-hmm. companies raising prices to pay taxes. Mm-hmm. So I look at it and say, what's really behind this? It's not 30% is like a huge new thing. 30% is what exists today. I wish it Well, I get your point that, in essence, what you're doing is you're dragging it out into the open. You're saying to yes. people, you ought to see, you ought to be confronted with how much government is, is costing you. And I, I get that. Absolutely. But you can also understand, I'm sure, the the rhetoric, the spin from the media and the Democrats, which will be, hey, middle class, uh, you're already struggling. These people want to raise your prices on everything. Oh, of course. Of course they're going to, Jack, because they have no choice. This is a make-or-break thing for them. This is a large part of their control. But if you let people, I have yet to have anybody, and you're talking about a lot of people don't understand it. No, they don't but have people understand it, and they say, well, that makes too much sense. Because if you're looking at how to fund government the best, let's do it the least intrusive for you and I, and the most productive way for the economy. And it's not through this morass of taxes, and it's not through a system that allows up to $1.5 trillion, with a T, of evasion, which goes radically down when you do it from a retail sales tax. You've got a situation where I really believe people see it, and they also see that this present system isn't for them. It's for the people who can afford to buy the right tax breaks. It's for the people that can sit up there and avoid paying the tax. That's who it's for. Almost every study we've done, in fact, every study, there's a certain level. I think the last one was up to like 140 grand. Almost all of them could modulate their spending and pay less tax than they do now. Because, again, if, you're going to, if I'm going to go buy a new car, I'm going to pay the fair tax. If you're going to go buy a used car, you're not going to pay the fair tax. It's only on new items. If I choose to do that, my taxes are going to be higher than yours with the same amount of spending. Mm-hmm. So I, it's now, my choice. I've also heard people say, what about seniors? Because... Here they have reached the, they've been paying taxes their whole life. They've reached the point where they are, are no longer going to pay income taxes. And now on top of, uh, you know, a lifetime of paying income taxes, 
they're going to go into paying the yeah, so they're going to they're going to continue paying taxes under your plan because they're going to be paying that consumption tax. What do you say to that argument? Well, well and I think it's a fact that people and you're talking to a senior, you're talking to somebody that did supposedly everything right and accumulated money, but you're also talking to somebody that realizes that every time I buy something, I'm paying tax. It's included in the price. That goes away with the sales tax. You don't have to pass all those costs on. You also have seniors, most of whom, or many of whom, are working, and that income they're earning is taxable under the present system. I mean, I'm, (laughs) Jack, 75. I pay Social Security. I pay more in Social Security than a lot of people pay in tax last year. So I'm not going to get it back. I'm just paying tax. All that's gone. And, in fact, when you look at a senior who's just working and living on Social Security, and they're just barely going, they're going to get an increase in Social Security benefits if it is an inflation. In other words, if prices go up 10%, they're going to get the same thing they got in December of last year. You're going to get an increase in their benefits to offset that. Plus, you're going to have a prebate, which means that most of that spending that they're doing, if they're only making Social Security, is not going to be taxed at all. Yeah. So, so bottom line, Steve Hayes, um, yeah. bottom line, uh, we've got the bill that's been introduced by Congressman Buddy Carter. It's H.R. 25. Um, does it have a chance in the House, and does it have any chance of going beyond the House? All right. This year, it's got a slight chance in the House. It's going to take a lot of work because the majority is so slim. It's not going to go anywhere in the Senate. I don't think anybody believes Schumer is going to let it see the light of day. And you've got a president who's been proudly saying he's going to veto it. However, we've got a a bill that's finally being voted on. And you've got all these members of Congress that have said to me, Jack, you get it in front of us for a vote and I'll vote for it. Well, by golly, let's see what you do. In two years, we're going to have a a new president, and I think we're going to have an opportunity to keep this more alive than it's ever been before, because without the vote, people would have, well, like yourself, Jack, you and I have talked for years. You would have thought, well, maybe it's kind of a, you know, one of those movements that's barely hanging on. Now we're rejuvenated, and everybody's going to know about it, particularly the way it's being attacked with such, you know, mm-hmm. ferociousness. Right. Almost everybody well, doesn't trust Congress. They're going to say, right. well, if they're attacking it, it must be something good it, about it. Exactly, exactly. And, and it's, it's very interesting to see the elites in both parties uh, ridicule it, because as you pointed out, they, they definitely have both benefited a lot. Uh, the, the, more, the, the worse the behavior of Washington, the better this idea will look to people. Find out more at fairtax.org, fairtax.org. Steve Hayes, thanks for the time. I'm, I hope you'll come back again, and I appreciate the time today. I I would love to come back, Jack, as we get forward on this. Thank you so much. Thank you. Somebody sent me this. Uh, I I'll take a I'll take a stab at it. I'll uh, you know like somebody sent me this. We're like, well, well, how how is this possible? Or what what does this mean? The headline is: Trans dad got pregnant after one night stand. A 36 year old trans dad from Seattle, who identifies as non-binary, has been documenting how they his pronoun, took advantage of the body organs I was born with, that's a quote, to give birth after a one-night stand during his medical transition. Danny Wakefield uh, describes himself as transmasculine. 
um, and uh, was going through the testosterone treatments and the transition, uh, you know, born a woman, identifies with masculinity, getting all the things done, had a double mastectomy, taking the drugs. Um, although I identify as transmasculine rather than male, people often read me as a cisgender gay man, he says. Uh, in April of last year, Wakefield found out that he was pregnant after a one-night stand with an unnamed man. I've known for my entire life that I wanted children, and I knew before I transitioned that I wanted to carry at least one child. Um, and he goes on to explain it. He's got over a million followers on social media. He's been documenting his parental journey on the website Danny the Trans Dad and on TikTok and Instagram. Quote, just because I don't feel like a woman... That doesn't mean that I can't take advantage of the body parts I was born with. See, uh, doesn't that kind of rip the whole thing? I'm taking advantage of the body parts I was born with. Yeah. So I will say there are a lot of people very excited about this development because... They're like, well, see, it is possible for a man to have a baby. It is possible for a man to become pregnant. No. He says it. I use the body parts I was born with. Men aren't born with those. I would know. I, I, I've checked. I've had all this equipment all my life. I would know. So he also complained that uh, he felt in the hospital like the nurses were snickering at him behind his back. I just I don't think that's a great... So people are reacting to this like, whoa, this is a game changer. No, it's not. No, it's not. And he is the one admitting it's not. So he used the equipment before he gave up the equipment. That's it. Not, it's 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 not it's not a miracle. Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. What do you think? We're going to talk about that. We're going to get your votes in on the JR poll. Uh, there's more about that hockey player. There's more about uh, Joe Biden's documents and and Joe Biden's reaction to that today was very interesting. He says people don't care about me and the documents. Nobody cares about that. Why don't you reporters ask about stuff people care about? Is he right about that? By the way, is I'm not saying was he right to have the papers stuffed into his garage, but is Joe Biden right that people really don't care about this? I mean, talk radio talks about it, Fox News talks about it, but he's saying, look, I don't think people care. I don't know if you were with us, Christian, when we did this, but a while back we had people calling in saying what was in their center console in their car. I don't know, that might have been before you you joined the show, but uh, it was fascinating. You know, just, we just said, just tell us what's what is in the center console because that becomes such a catch-all hmm. of stuff. You know, you just pop it open and stick things in there, and then there's layers, and it's like archaeology. Yep. You know, your history is in there. They go the deeper you go, different civilizations, and um, so we were t- Don and I were talking about the issue of packing up a house and how you find all this accumulated stuff, and it's you always have way more stuff in a house than you 
thought you did. Yeah. And it's the same thing with a car. Like I'm, I'm changing cars this week and I had to clean out, uh, the car that I'd had for four or five years. I didn't think of myself as a hoarder or a, you know, pack rat or anything. But you are. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. I blame the car companies because there's way too oh. many storage. You know, there's, 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 there's well, when we, when our parents had cars, there was just the glove compartment. Yeah. Now, when we, center console, door panels, back, the hatchback, the pockets in the back, under the seats, you know, too much. What do you want to ride a horse? Well, with what they're paying (laughs) us, I may have to, but you know what I really, you know what I really found that I was, I, I, I really need to figure out why I did this. I had so many napkins. Yeah, now you're getting for me. Oh. That's that's the side door pockets in my center Lord. console. I've got one insurance card and two pins. That's it. I'm t- well. Good for you. That's impressive. But uh, <laughs> I had so many, and it's like you know, you just grab a couple extra, right? You're leaving leaving the place, or they you know they give you a few more than you need, or you take a few, but then they give you a few. Just stick them. Might need them, you know. Just you know, I have a kid, you know, and maybe if she, she's in the back seat, she's eating something. She's she's almost eighteen. What is she having back there? Fondue? I mean, there's no way you'd need this many napkins. Can I be truthful? I hope you will be. My center console is only as clean as it is because I made my daughter wash my car last weekend. Oh. Full disclosure. Oh. There's a lot of crap in there. Yeah, the napkins okay. are a deal. Yep. <laughs> Is that a dad thing? Is the napkin yeah. thing a dad thing? Like, well, you know, I've got God kind forbid of a, I was stuck with not enough napkins. What would people think of me as a parent? But wouldn't you rather have them and not need them than the other way around? Well, it, yes, yes. But I'm going to be more selective because I found out that I had enough napkins to, you could open a large restaurant with the number of napkins <laughs> I have. And there's You're just right. no need. There's no need. Uh, there's no, sh- what, what kind of massive quantity of liquid could be unleashed? That would require this many napkins. There's just nothing. Well, think know? back to your 20s. What did the interior of your car look like? Mm-hmm. There you go. Well, I was always, see, I was always a very neat guy with the car because I was constantly cleaning it and waxing it. And but yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. So I guess what was used to be all over the car now we hide in all of these <laughs> the center console, <laughs> hopefully uh, equipped compartments. Yeah, that center console is a thing. All right, KTSA, coming up after 6, we'll talk restaurants and the dish. You can get in here and uh, we'll kick that around. Um, We were talking about the trans dad that got pregnant after a one-night stand. He sounds like a heck of a guy, but he says, um, I'm just saying he, you know, it's too complicated to get the whole pronoun slash pronoun slash pronoun. So just, um, he now calls himself Danny Wakefield, born a woman, identifies masculine, has had the treatments, the surgeries, the hormones, but became pregnant during the transition, had a one-night stand with a man, um, and became pregnant. So now he is a guy, looks like a guy with a, with a pregnancy. And, and people are like, oh, this is, this is a game changer. No, no, it's not. Because he says, this is the quote, buried deep in the story, but here's the quote that gives the whole thing away. Just because I don't feel like a woman doesn't mean that I can't take advantage of the body parts I was born with. Okay, that's it. That's the giveaway. The body parts he was born with. You're welcome. All right. They asked President Biden today, uh, uh, he was in California looking at flood damage, and they asked him today about uh, the documents. 
And uh, he had a hell of an answer. I, you know, this guy, when he gets off the teleprompter, look out, run for your lives. He said, I have no regrets. I have no regrets. I think you have some regrets, Joe. You've got a special counsel. You know, a special counsel for a politician is like a hangover. If you've got a hangover, you've got some regrets. But he also tried to blame, or the White House is trying to blame staff. They're trying to say that if the documents were mishandled, it was probably a secretary or an aide that did it. And you know what my mind went to right away? Alec Baldwin. Now, just stay with me for a minute. It, we, we talked about this yesterday. Aren't the Alec Baldwin lawyers saying it was the it was that that woman that that was handling the gun and and I, isn't it just like an Alec Baldwin or a Joe Biden champions of feminism, progressives, giants of the Democratic Party? But the, at the first sign of trouble, find me a woman to blame. Find me a minority to blame. Find me some young person to blame. Find me some 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 underling that doesn't have two dimes to rub together. We're going to throw this at them. Got to love it. He also scolded the reporters. I don't I don't have the clip, but he he basically scolded the reporters for even asking him about it. He said, "Look, uh, the American people don't care about this stuff." And I heard that, and I know that it throws a lot of conservative talk show hosts into a rage when they hear that. But I, I do think it's worth just taking a moment to ask the question, because you may care about it, and I may care about it, but that's because of where we're coming from. Right? Is he right? I mean, I know Biden is like a stopped clock. If he's right, it's by accident twice a day. But it, it's it's a fair question. Anything that starts to get a little complicated... Anything that starts to sound like he said, she said, anything that starts to sound like political party talking points, and this goes both ways, yeah, probably half the country is like, we don't care. I know I've seen polls that indicate even a majority of Democrats are concerned or disappointed, but really, are they? How much? Not much. So it's safe to say, I don't think the people that voted for Biden care about this. I think the people that didn't vote for him, probably most of them care about it. But where does that leave us? And when you think about the recklessness of Joe Biden and the fecklessness of Joe Biden, the document story is more confirmatory than, you know, revealing, okay? It's not like, wow, I can't believe. It's more like, yeah, of course he would do that. Of course a guy that's been in in Washington for 49 years. Of course a guy that feels entitled to the presidency. Of course a guy that, um, you know, has basically spent his entire adult life in pursuit of the presidency. Of course he did this. I'm not saying it's not wrong, not dangerous. I'm not saying I'm not worried about Hunter. Or who else got to see these things? I'm, I'm not. I'm not knocking your your concerns are legit. I'm not trying to change your mind about it. I'm just pointing out: Have you ever considered 
how difficult it's going to be to sell this as important to people that don't think it is. We found or, who think, or who think they all uh, or who think they all do it. Because that's the other thing I've had people say to me, well, don't you think all presidents do this? And I said, well, no, I don't, I don't think so. I, I think if that was true, why weren't we hearing that when they found them at Mar-a-Lago? I don't remember anybody saying that. We know Obama had them. We know that Hillary had them. Hillary wasn't president, but, you know, she should have been. <laughs> 210 599 Fifty-five, fifty-five. I do want to play this for you. This is uh, CNN reporting on the Joe and Hunter uh, story, and it's hard to believe this is on CNN. Uh, but take a listen to this. And tell me what's going on here. Despite his denials, a CNN review of the laptop data, as well as other public material, shows that Joe Biden did interact with some of his son's associates while serving as vice president, though it's unclear exactly what was discussed. One example, the Republican site, Miguel Aleman Magnani, a Mexican businessman and son of the former president who Hunter was trying to woo. In 2014, Aleman Magnani and his dad were photographed at the White House with then-Vice President Biden. In a later email, Hunter Biden reminds Alemani Magnani of the favors he's done for him. We have been talking about business deals and partnerships for seven years. I have brought every single person you have ever asked me to bring to the effing White House and the Vice President's House and the inauguration. Hunter Biden bluntly acknowledged the power of the Biden name in a memoir, writing that the Ukrainian energy company Burisma, which put him on its board, considered my last name gold. I don't think that there's a lot of things that would have happened in my life that, uh, that if my last name wasn't Biden. Mm. So... I think maybe, I mean, I don't know what the hell is going on at CNN, but I think maybe one thing that's going on is that the documents and making up excuses and spinning the documents is starting to become a distraction from the thing that actually could be more of a game changer and and, and something that I think people might sink their teeth into more likely than the documents. And that's that's just the giant lie about never meeting or being involved with or knowing anything about Hunter and his business and his business associates. Um, but it's kind of interesting. It, it kind of plays into that theory some people have that the Democrats are starting to move on Biden because, again, what is CNN doing with this story, right? On the JR poll, the question, should the voting age go up, go down, or stay the same? It's been 18 since the 26th Amendment was ratified. Uh, there is a uh, bill in the House to lower it to 16. The uh, one more, just one more thought about the the Biden story. It, it's beginning to look like the same people who engineered the removal of Donald Trump are engineering the removal of Joe Biden. Is that weird? That's that's that is that is very strange. It's not strange in the sense that it, you, you don't know why they're doing it. It's just, I don't know if we've ever had a time like this in our history. But if you look at the way this story is kind of seeping and, and dripping out and death by a thousand cuts, and you've got a special counsel on 
Joe, you've got a special counsel on Hunter. It just looks to me like they're, they're, they're moving him aside. They're engineering his, you know, not resignation from the presidency, just sidelining him for 2024. And it's the same cast of characters that engineered the, basically, the removal of the uh, blocking of Trump's reelection. I mean, Trump had a lot to do with it. He's his own worst enemy. But it's pretty clear there was a very concerted effort, a weaponization of the Justice Department and the FBI, and and they're also making sure he cannot get back, he, as is he. <laughs> Again, again, it, it's a race to see who can do more damage to Donald Trump, Donald Trump's enemies, or Donald Trump. But just the same people. So I think we mentioned yesterday, um, the NHL shop is sold out. Fanatics.com is sold out. The Philadelphia Phil, uh, Flyers uh, uh, merchandise site sold out. Of number nine, Ivan Provorov jerseys. He was the player that wouldn't wear the gay pride warm-up shirt the other night. What does that mean, that people are buying out this guy's shirt? What does that mean? If you're a gay man or a woman, does that mean we all hate you? Does that mean we're celebrating your exclusion from society? Are the people buying these shirts gay bashers, haters, bigots? Or are people struck by the sort of male-fisted overreaction to this guy? He should go back to Russia. He should be fine. Another analyst said... Sports commentators uh, in Canada said that he should be fined $1 million over his refusal to take part in the Pride festivities. He should be fined $1 million, said this dude. The theme from the NHL is that hockey is for everyone, right? The National Hockey League is going to do this. If any league is going to do this, there need to be repercussions. He says, the National Hockey League needs to attack this. I I, um, I think these guys are trying a little too hard. I, I think they are trying to virtue signal and they are spraining themselves. People who virtue signal usually overdo it. Something I've noticed. It's easy to overdo it. Another uh, NHL uh, analyst for ESPN mocked Provorov for previously participating in the Flyers' military appreciation event. Are you getting that equivalency? Are you getting that comparison? So this guy did wear the military night shirt pregame that night, but didn't want to wear the rainbow one. You can't. How how dare you? Greg Wazinski snarled. 
Of course, he's more than happy to play pregame dress-up when it aligns with his belief system. Well, yeah, Greg. <laughs> um, people are often happier to do things that align with their belief systems. Is that a foreign concept to you? You never heard that before? You don't do that? You don't join in something with more zeal and enthusiasm when you believe in it and less when you're just made to? Haven't we all, in our jobs or if you work for a company, hasn't there been something that you, you know, mandatory, got to wear red on Friday or mandatory, got to come to the company softball game or mandatory, got to do this or man. And you do it, but you don't do it with a lot of zest, right? This guy doesn't understand that. And then someone else said, um, because Provorov had said, look, I don't disrespect anyone. I don't mean to. I don't, I have love in my heart. I just don't want to wear this shirt it goes against my religious beliefs and somebody said well obviously he doesn't respect everyone because if he did respect everyone he would have taken part and worn the pride night jersey and here's my question to you again if you're a gay man or woman is your battle is your struggle really to get everyone to wear the same shirt like is that is that the hardest part about being gay i just wish we could get everybody in the damn shirt Who are these people? What world are they living in? What color is the sky? Being LGB is not about, the the struggle is not, man, I wish we could get everybody to wear the rainbow shirt. Now, if he had said things that displayed ignorance of or insult toward gay people, he would still have the right to say it, but then I think he would have people more legitimately disappointed in him, angry with him, etc. And maybe they thought he was going to say those things. As far as I can tell, he has done three things. He chose not to wear the shirt, which he had the approval of the team and the coach for, for doing. He came out and played in the game. You know, people were saying, it's a team sport. Yeah, it's a team sport when you play the game, champ. And he was there for the game. And he said a simple couple of sentences statement to the effect that he has religious beliefs and no animus toward gay people. If if that's all he has said, unless I've missed something, The real scandal is not Ivan Provorov. The real scandal is how readily people who are part of the game of hockey, people who make their money yapping about hockey and covering hockey, in other words, their income is derived from the Ivan Provorovs. If if there's no Ivan, there's no there's no game to talk about. There's no there's no job for the analyst sitting on the set. As far as I can tell. Their overreaction is the real story. Their authoritarian impulses, their desire to throw people out of the country and fine them and ruin them and and mock their religious beliefs. These are the paragons of tolerance, but let somebody declare a Christian belief and you're a joke. So that's why the shirt is selling out. You've waited all week. 
You've been waiting. Monday. You got through it Tuesday. You got through it Wednesday. You started to smell it Thursday. You were right on top of it. And now it's here! It's Friday! It's time to rock and roll! Break out the speakers! Blow your cars into them! Get home, get to your stuff, and get ready to rock because it's Friday! Whoa! Five forty at KTSA. Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. Getting your votes in the JR poll and other things. And Derek is on KTSA. Derek, good afternoon. Hey there. Uh, how are you doing today? This evening. I'm good, Derek. How are you? Doing great. I, I just want to call in regards to you know the the whole hawk situation. You know, and the uh, the wearing of the pride T shirt. As a gay man myself. You know, I am getting really tired of these corporate these 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 people. They're enforcing, you know, this, this homosexuality on everybody. I, for myself, you know, I'm a gay man who's, you know, I, I'm in my you know my mid forties. I like to consider myself the original one of the original gay men who who takes pride in the fact that yes, we're men, we're gay, and that's about that's about it. We didn't enforce we didn't force anything on anyone ever when I was growing up. You know, we didn't like it, and we didn't do that to anyone else, and no one did it to us. So I don't see where this LGBTQ, whatever it is, community that I actually don't even support, get off thinking they can just enforce their beliefs, their their sexuality, their everything onto them and make everybody bow to them. I've just, I've just, you know, I am just fed up with that. That that's that's literally my spill. I'm just fed up with them, yeah. this young generation who gets off thinking that they could just force it on anyone. It, it, that's just wrong, you know. Well, I have. You know, I think part of I think part of it is Derek that all the same. Okay, yeah. I mean, to me, part of it is kind of the you've lived through some things. You probably remember some times when uh, you were not able to do certain things or there was certain discrimination yeah. or attitudes or ignorance or whatever. And so in, in your mind, um, you know, society's made progress. You, you just want your rights. You, you want to live and let live. You're not interested in changing anybody else. But I think younger people don't realize how much progress has been made. And, and to them, that this feels, this is kind of intoxicating, this idea that we can reach out and punish one guy and all gang up on him. Not realizing that that is exactly the opposite of what the original so-called movement was about. It was about not exactly. getting ganged up on. Exactly. That's exactly my point right there. Like, I'm like, look, we're, we're going the opposite direction here when we did make great strides and great progress. Especially for, you know, me coming from a very macho family. You know, you know, you know, it was unacceptable, like you stated. You know, I did put a few things, but you know, I learned to live with it and understood the differences between everybody. Mm-hmm. They were all different, and doesn't matter what you know. Like I stated, you know, I have gay and straight friends who all love me the same. There right. is no, there is no, you know, we expect something of them. We expect them to go to Pride. We want them to wear a, a rainbow T-shirt. No, I actually don't even wear a damn rainbow T-shirt. I'm sorry, I do not even go to the Pride parades. Mm. I'm gonna have to take I, I your gay. I'm gonna have to take your gay culture. card back then, Derek. I'm gonna have to revoke your gay card. 
Uh, you know what? I'm about to give it up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to give it up and say, forget it. Let me go the opposite way. Let's try that route because evidently this is just not my spirit anymore. Don't don't go that far, but I'm just saying. I yeah, no. I know. I hear what you're saying. By the way, it's also interesting to me that the guys going after this hockey player, they're not part of the community. They're just sports guys that are are getting their rocks off. Uh, you know, basically yep. reading him out or 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 you know, virtue signaling. They're not they're not part of your support system. They're not part of your community. None of them have ever been to a pride parade. They they just love the feeling of telling this guy he should go back to Russia. Uh, you know, th- that's their yep. whole deal. They just love it. And to me, that's kind of a form of bullying somebody in a way. It's just like you know, you just like yep. being the bully mm-hmm. and like shoving them and forcing them to do something right. you know what he does belief and that's just to me again i grew up in there we did not force this on anybody right. in fact we wouldn't do that <laughs> right right you, you you knew what it felt like to be bullied you're the last people that would turn and bully other people i, I it's a great exactly. point derek i appreciate i appreciate your call thank you for calling uh thank you and hope you have a good weekend 210-599-5555 yeah it's I know guys like this, I'm sorry to say, and they're not, um, I don't, I don't really know what their actual attitude is about gay people or, or a lot of other things, but the, the posturing, the, the virtue signaling is very big. And somebody said it a day or two ago, I read it on the air from an article, and it is true. The leftism in sports media is the most hardcore of all media. Like you would think that the true, blue the hardcore would be like on the the you know politico.com or msnbc no it's espn it's these um you know sports talk radio stations that these guys are all in and 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 i don't really know if it's a machismo thing or they think they're catering to their audience I, i don't know what it is i don't understand it but i've seen it it's fascinating. It's a little. It's a little weird. So, the people who should be saying what Derek just said, the people who should be saying this guy's a hockey player, he doesn't have an obligation to anything or anybody or any issue. He plays hockey. He came out and played hockey that night, which is what they pay him to do. His skill is not wearing a shirt. His skill is playing defenseman. The guys that should have been explaining that, defending him, defending the sport, defending the the idea of sports, the importance of sports outside of politics, that we need outlets and entertainment, you know, in our lives, instead are making everything about woke politics. And that's astonishing and kind of frustrating guy that likes to watch sports it's getting tiresome but just you know if, you, if you're not going to talk to me you know like if i put on a hockey game and these guys come on during intermission or post game i want to hear about the game i don't want to hear about how he should get on a plane and go back to russia i don't want to know your foreign policy about the ukraine war okay I, what can you tell me about the game or the playoff races or the standing you know but that's what they're doing and that's that's what's very interesting. So far, the most vicious and sustained attacks on the hockey player are not coming from the LGBT community. They are being 
spoken by people in hockey as if they are defending the LGBT community. I don't, I must have missed a step because I didn't see anybody go to them and say, Hey, we're the, we're the, the community and we're very, very put out by this. And you guys on ESPN or NHL network really need to talk about it. I didn't see that. They appointed themselves. Former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley is running for president. She's uh, talking to Brett Baer on Fox News Channel last night. Uh, take a listen to this, cut number five. We are in the new year. How are those tea leaves looking? Are you going to run for president? Well, I'm not going to make an announcement here, but when you're looking at a run for president, you look at two things. You first look at, does the current situation push for new leadership? The second question is, Am I that person that could be that new leader? Yes, we need to go in a new direction. And can I be that leader? Yes, I think I can be that leader. I was as governor. I took on a hurting state with double-digit unemployment, and we made it the beast of the southeast. As ambassador, um, you know, I took on the world when they tried to disrespect us, and I think I showed what I'm capable of at the United Nations. So do I think I could be that leader? Yes, but we are still working through things, and we'll figure it out. I've never oh. lost. Oh, okay. I said that look, then. I look, look, look. I hate to say this, and I hope I'm wrong. She's Jeb. She's the new Jeb. I was going to say she's Jeb in a dress, but that takes us in a direction I don't want to go in. I, it's, I don't, I'm not hearing what I need to hear there. I'm not, I'm not hearing what I need to hear there. I'm hearing Jeb. It's that sort of, well, why not me for president? I, no. Look, I I know we need a new direction. But the only way we get a new direction is for somebody that, that, that sounds like they're just, you've got to come at this thing like we're, we're going to barely be able to hold you back. Remember, remember low energy Jeb? Remember, please applaud. And I like Nikki Haley personally. Like she has a hundred times the charisma of Jeb, but she's Jeb. She's Jeb 2024 version. Like, I can just see Nikki with the exclamation point. That'll be the sign. What? You watch. Hey, we haven't talked about this guy in a while. George Santos, the new Republican congressman from Long Island, who um, I think may have set the record for lies on one resume. This was the guy, remember, he was um, <laughs> he was elected. Uh, he was in a district where they flipped it. And um, he was gay and Jewish and Catholic and Hispanic and black and Caucasian and son of immigrants and Ivy League graduate and cancer survivor. And none of that was true. And he had ancestors in the Holocaust. And he had, had coworkers who died on 9-11 and in the Pulse nightclub. Well, we finally found something he really did do. We finally... We, it was bound to happen. We have finally found something that George Santos did do. He was a drag queen named Kitara when he lived in Rio de Janeiro. The pictures and the video are out. And at this point, I'm not even sure that's a problem for George. Like, you know, I, I'm so old, I remember when if a politician, if we have... If we had found out that a member of Congress had knew a drag queen, had ever been in the company of a drag queen, that would have been it. At the point we're at now, 
Our only question really is, did he look good? Did he wear it well? We're just glad to find something authentic about George Santos. There's finally something he really did do. But I feel a little bit bad for George, and I'll tell you why. I mean, yeah, the guy's a liar, and I, I, if if the if the voters put him back in there in two years, then that I, I have no respect for them. But but I will say this: we'll say this. I know how we got to this point. You do too, right? I mean, George Santos was inevitable. When you make it, as we have done, the pinnacle of fame and notoriety to hyphenate yourself, to victimize your story, when we incent people, when we give people incentives, when we say identity is everything in politics, it's not your policies, your positions, your integrity, your the fight in the dog or the dog in the fight. It's none of that. It's just, it's just identity politics. And we don't have to say identity politics anymore because all politics is identity. Some guy's going to sit back and go, you know, let me make a list of all the things that, that are attributes that could set me apart, that could help me stand out, that could win me this constituency and that little cluster of votes over there and this block over here. And he just took it too far. He should have, you're supposed to just check two or three boxes or like Elizabeth Warren, maybe just check one. But see, he, he checked too many. He went down the list and he was like, I'll take that one and that one and that one and that one and that one. A little carried away. But that, the, the, the times we're in, Produced George Santos. I mean, the drag queen part is just, you know, it's sad to say that's the least of his problems. It really is. <laughs> like people, people in the Republican Party are probably relieved. Like, oh, is that all? Okay, good. We were afraid it was something else. Beans and cornbread. Beans and cornbread. Beans and cornbread. Beans and cornbread had a fight. Beans knocked cornbread out of sight. Beans. Cornbread said, now that's all right. Beans. Meet me on the corner tomorrow night. Beans. I'll be ready. I'll be ready tomorrow night. Well, it's always felt like a good time of the week to uh, throttle back a little. And uh, you might be starting to think about dinner, or maybe you go out on weekends. You know, you, you eat at home during the week, but you, you treat yourself on the weekend to a place to go out. So we talk restaurants in this hour of the show. And the way we do that, the way we do that is we have, uh, we invite you to call in and just talk about the last place you went to, the, where you had lunch today or dinner last night, or you had a, maybe a special occasion in your family this week and you went out to a, a, a kind of a nice place and you want to tell us about that experience. It can be any kind of restaurant. It can be anywhere in and around San Antonio. It can be an independent local place. It can be a chain. It can be drive through, drive up, delivery, dine in, sit outside, any of those things, any kind of food, any kind of price. Um, and it's not a restaurant review. It's just like the way you would tell a friend or a coworker about a restaurant. What, what, what did you have? Why you liked it? What's good to get when you go there? Or if things went off the rails, uh, what, why does it get a zing? You can praise or zing. Happy birthday, dear Alan. Happy birthday to you. 
Oh, can you feel the love? Uh, praise or zing any restaurant in and around San Antonio and South Texas with your call right now. 210-599-5555. And when you call in, do not forget to wish Don Cooper a happy National DJ Day because Don is really the closest thing to a DJ that we have on this show. I mean, he's playing music, he's playing commercials, he's kind of traffic copping all the elements of the show. I'm just, you know, running my professionally trained tongue, but he's running everything else. So wish him a happy National DJ Day. Um, we're going to take your calls on the dish. We're going to take your votes in the JR poll, and we'll have results on the poll right before uh, right before 7 o'clock. Um, and you can also email me. Did I mention that? I don't, remember, I don't know if I mentioned that. You can also email a, a, a comment about a place, jack at ktsa.com. So those are all the ways that it works. Um, made an interesting announcement about um, Facebook this week. I don't know if you saw this or not. Meta, the company that owns Facebook, is going to lift the ban on photos of bare breasts on Facebook and Instagram. But not all bare breasts. You will only be allowed to di- to to um, expose, is that the right word, display, a bare breast on Facebook or Instagram if it is the breast of a non-binary or transgender person. They announced, and this is the wording, there will be additional nipple-related exceptions made in the future. These are some interesting times we're living in, aren't they? How about that? 210-599-5555 as we talk restaurants. Get your calls on the dish on KTSA. And uh, let's start with... We're start up here with Bobby. Bobby, happy Friday. Same to you. Thank you, sir. What's up? Well, I was at uh, D. Willie's today, the barbecue place out on Highway 87, and I'm not a big mm-hmm. rib fan, mm-hmm. baby back ribs, pork ribs, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But I said, no, oh, what the heck, I'll try it. I picked up these ribs. The first rib I picked up, I had a little bit of meat in my hand. The bone fell out of my hand. It was so tender. Wow. I said, okay. So I go to the next one. I finished that one, and, and it's delicious. It's like eating a marshmallow. Wow. So I go to the next one. I pick it up, and I find I make a point to find the bone in, so it doesn't fall out of my hand. The meat falls off the bone. It is so tender, and oh, it just—I mean, it's just—it made a rib lover out of me, and that's all. That's nothing but praise for them. And you said you went to the China Grove location. Yeah, the one in China Grove. They got one on Highway 87 right there. Yeah. Just uh, used to be. Uh, some kind of bar in the old days, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it's a barbecue place. And then the the owner was there, so I talked to him, and he's got another a beef rib. They call it the Dino Rib. I said, "Well, give me one to go home," and I'm <laughs> fixing to eat that here in a little bit. But I could tell by feeling it, it's like a, yeah. just a thin foil full of marshmallows. It wow! Is, All right, that's not, that does sound good. It is. It is a good place to. And I've eaten at the one on O'Connor, and they're always consistently good. Mm-hmm. But I've always a, I'm a beef man and brisket. And uh, but boy, I, I'm going to be going for these ribs from here on out a lot more than I 
I have, this man has I have. found his ribs. <laughs> they're always they're always in the last place you look, right? All right, Bobby, right. good job. Thank you, sir. Praise for the D. Willie's Smokehouse. D. Willie's Smokehouse in China Grove, 7393 Highway 87 in China Grove. There is a location in the 12,000 block of O'Connor as well. Uh, and praise for the ribs falling off the bone. 210-599-5555. You can praise or zing any kind of food, any kind of restaurant, any kind of location on the dish. All we ask is have the complete correct name of the place you're calling about. 210-599-5555. Bob is on KTSA. Bob, happy Friday. Yeah, and happy DJ Day. That's right. I understand. Hey, yes. anyway. Good yes. time, Charlie's. I went there and been, I heard y'all advertise it all the time, and uh, I decided to try it out. And uh, it, uh, the chicken fried steak was good. Service was good. It was good. Was that your first time there? It's been a long time. Been a long time. Okay. Has it been there forever? It's been there like what forty or fifty years, right? Yeah. So the chicken fried steak was your choice. Is that something you get at a lot of places? Is this kind of your go-to thing? Yeah, kind of thing. But next time I'm there, I'm going to try something else mm-hmm. and see, mm-hmm. see what it's like. Chicken fried steak uh, is one of those things. I got to kind of know a little about it before I order it because you know this, right? I mean, some places you, it looks good, but there's hardly any meat or it's, you know, it's dry. Like, I, I really got to know from somebody I trust that it's good before I'm going to order that because otherwise you're stuck with something that's not very enjoyable. That's true. But then overall, yeah. the plate was good, along with the I'm glad day. to hear that. All right. Praise for Good Time Charlie's 2922 Broadway. It's across from the Witty. And uh, that's our... We've had a lot of calls on it going back to 2003. But that is our first call since October of last year. On the dish, mostly praise. And I'm looking here at the things people have been uh, mentioning. Um... You know, a lot of people mention that they went in a large group, and they really they liked the fact that they can accommodate large groups. Uh, a lot of mentions of the chicken fried steak. That seems to be the most frequently mentioned item at Good Time Charlie's. Uh, results on our poll question coming up at the end of the hour. And uh, you're with me. I don't know who you want to be with, but right now you're with me. Uh, we're talking restaurants on the dish. You can praise or zing. Your most recent restaurant experience. So if there's a place that you just can't wait to tell everybody uh, about, like the, like the gentleman with the ribs, let's hear it. If something went totally wrong and was just crazy, we'll take that. That's a zing. Praise or zing. 210-599-5555. Any kind of restaurant, any part of town, any price, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Jeff writes, Jack at KTSA.com, I'd like to praise La Montanita at 4922 Rigsby Avenue. Everything I've had there is delicious, always consistent, always get 100s on their health scores. I eat at many Mexican restaurants across town. This one is my favorite. Jeff writes, I almost hate to praise it because I want to keep it to myself. La Montanita, 4922 Rigsby Avenue. Says by the way, love your show. Just wish you were back on your old time slot, so I could listen at work. I've had a lot of old time slots. I wonder which one he means. No, I know he means the means the the midday, the late morning one. I, I you know, I appreciate that, Jeff. Thank you. Um, you actually can listen to this show 
anytime. You can make your own KTSA schedule. You can you can put Trey on at night and put me on in the middle of the day and put MVR on early in the morning. You can do all of that because everything is on demand at KTSA.com. And we've got a really good Thursday podcast uh, available Do we, well. Don? Yes, is we that do. a fact? It's, it's incredible. It's awesome. It's like the best Thursday say. episode ever. Mm-hmm. You don't say. Yeah. Who um, who puts that together? Who's responsible for posting? Oh, that? we have little elves that uh, put that together. <laughs> I, I don't know. Can we even use that word any longer? I don't. Uh, yeah, I don't. Think, I don't think you're supposed to. Call, I think you're supposed to call them little people. Hey, I was thinking earlier. You, you have mentioned that today is is National DJ Day, and it is. Yes. When you were doing music radio, and this this is what happened to me when I was doing music radio mm-hmm. back in the day. And you'd meet a stranger or someone that hasn't seen you, and they find out what you do for a living. Right. I always found it fascinating. One of the first questions they ask you is, "Oh, can you can you speak DJ?" Yes. <laughs> yeah. Say and something I'm, in your say, radio. Say voice. Say something in your radio voice. Yeah. <laughs> and how did you answer that? I um, I well, I kind of mocked. You know, kind of, kind of. Well, you and you Christian do like were doing a voice, you know, yeah. doing a little mug voice, somewhat. But I would uh, either do that, or I would, if if <laughs> if I thought I could get away with a longer explanation, because some people didn't want to know. But you'd just maybe give them a brief explanation right. that there's a lot of equipment that run that they're running your voice through. Mm-hmm. So between mm-hmm. the microphone and the you know device you're listening on, right. there's processing and compression and filtering and you know. So well, I, I notice that sometimes my the resonance of my voice will change depending on whom I'm, mm. I'm speaking with sometimes. Yes. But uh, but yes. you can't help but just, you know, do the, it's 59 degrees in yes. San Antonio, yes. you know, cloudy skies yes. tomorrow is Tuesday, and we got the hits, we got the well, hits. we just want to make people happy, Don, if that's what they want. You know, we just want to, <laughs> I'm just here to make them, give them what they expect. By the way, Walter Winchell, the longtime columnist and radio commentator, is the one, I, I, I didn't know this till recently, coined the term disc jockey. And um, he coined that term actually in the 1930s. And who started calling the people on the radio who played, who were, and, and it was it was not a very common thing in the 1930s because if you heard music on the radio then, you were hearing probably a live performance or a transcription of an orchestra or something like that or a, a big band. But um, they were starting then to play records. And it was originally uh, when people first started programming shows where a guy sat there and just played records, that was seen as scandalously like cheap and um, a terrible use of radio. I mean, my God, if, if people could just listen to the records at home. Why, why, would, why do you have somebody sitting there playing them over the airways? But, of course, eventually that became the biggest thing in radio. So, Well, shouldn't, shouldn't you explain anyone that's under 40 who Walter Winchell is? <laughs> Can I, though? I mean, <laughs> is it even... Is it even is it even possible to do that? I don't, I don't even know that it is. Yeah, I mean, he was a he what, was. I don't, it? I don't know what would you liken him to today. Who is he today? Is he is he Tucker Carlson? Is he because uh, wasn't he like a newspaper columnist or yeah, he was a newspaper guy. Like and those guys, if they got big enough and they were syndicated, then they got a radio slot. You know, and that was he was a. Uh, I think he was the Mister and Mrs. America and all the ships at sea guy. Right, that was his catchphrase. So anyway. Yeah, he was a he was a big a big deal. Uh 210-599-5555 as we talk restaurants 
on the dish you can praise or zing your most recent restaurant experience. We can talk about National DJ Day if you uh, want to do that. Though this was, um, you know, I'm always interested in a new study. I always like to see what's new in the in the science world. Uh, it says here, um, according to a uh, British uh, survey, only 55 percent of men and women can confidently state where their rectum is located. Only 55% of men and women can confidently state the location on the body of the rectum. 45% did not know where it is. Or as the old saying, remember the old saying, couldn't find his, you know what, with, with both hands. Apparently half the people out there can't. I'd hate to think of what the guesses must have been. You know, like I can understand if you didn't know where an internal organ was with precision or exactly, you know, most of them are, most of them are between your neck and your knees, but you know, whew, don't know where the rectum is. I guess that means they don't really know what the word means, right? Rectum, I hardly knew them. Anyway, um, but yeah, half do not know. So if you know, you're smarter than the average person. And then they, I, I thought this was odd. They were reporting the, the statistic, but then they said it varied from region to region in the UK. Uh, people in Wales were most likely to know where their rectum was. Not sure what that tells us. Uh, Dr. John Tang, medical director of the study, said the findings highlight uh, Britain's laid back attitude on anatomy. People need to know more about their bodies. That's that is something. So, and I don't know if that means. <laughs> I don't know. Like, um, like I wonder how they asked the question. Like, did they show them like a drawing of a like a like an? Was it like the the operation game where you have like the outline of the body and you had to point to it? Did you have to draw where it was? Did people have to find it on their own body? Was it like it's ten o'clock? Do you know where your rectum is? I mean, I, I'm I'm curious. I would like to know how they conducted this study. How they how they um, asked? It says that only half the people in the survey could find their reproductive organs. Wow! I mean, not to get too indelicate here, but that seems like something you would definitely know. And then. Um, the most likely uh, location, in other words, the, the body part that people are most likely to know the location of is the heart and the brain. Those are pretty easy. Yeah, they definitely had trouble with the rectum. And, uh, and haven't we all at one time or another. So, Are these the same kind of people that um, have no idea where Uranus is in the planetary system? See, see mm-hmm. I knew you see? would do that. I also wonder, you know how uh, sometimes, uh, like Jesse Waters does it, and Jay Leno used to do it, you know how they do these, uh, we're just going to go up to people on the street and ask them this question, and the answers are always, you know, totally imbecilic. Do they just do they just ask only dummies? Like, I wonder when I watch Jesse Waters, like, are they just going up to people that look kind of dim? Because are, are, is that really representative of the whole population? And so I'm just wondering, did, did they really, is this a, is this a true cross section of British society? 
or did they just go up to the dummies? Or maybe people had to volunteer for the study. Like, like probably a smart person would be like, I'm not taking that survey. What are you, stupid? But somebody else would be like, yeah, I could do that. Okay, I got a few minutes. Wrecked him? No, no idea. Couldn't find him with both hands. I'm in a quicksand and I'm starting to sing. I need someone to help me, but I don't know which way to turn. I know I don't have much of a choice. I'll go out of my mind. Or into the night. This half hour, we'll see how you voted on the JR poll question. About the voting age, do you think the voting age should stay 18, go down to 16, or be raised older than 18? And um, see how that turns out. You, everybody gets to vote in this. No age limit on the JR poll. Um, and we're talking restaurants uh, in this hour of the show. The last hour of the week, we we turn it over to you to talk about your most recent restaurant experience. You can... Praise a place, you can zing it, you can go on and on about a particular dish or the the best thing to get when you go there or what they're known for or what have you. Sometimes these are restaurants people have been going to for years and years and there's a whole story as to why they love it and they've been going and their family. And other times it's a restaurant you've just recently started or discovered going, you know, recently started going to or discovered for yourself. And it might even be a new restaurant. Sometimes these are new places. So praise or zing, 210-599-5555. I did not know this, but um, maybe you knew this. You know, we're having this this egg price crisis where eggs are at an all-time high, and there is apparently a shortage. And now, according to the Border Patrol, egg smuggling is a very big thing. It is against the law to bring uncooked eggs into the United States. But people are doing it because eggs can be bought in rural Mexico for a fraction of what they go for here. So there is now, egg smuggling is now a thing. And of course, my first thought on this was that that is an extremely delicate operation. I mean... You got to be careful carrying eggs in from the car. So smuggling them across the border, like where where you would where you know you got to hide them, you got to disguise them. There are there is now egg smuggling. So I guess does that mean there's a are there like hot eggs out there or is there like a don't I, I'm not asking. I'm going to buy my eggs from you know above above-the-board means, but I guess people are getting hot eggs. Must be something if you own chickens now. Like before, people thought you were a little, maybe a little, I don't know, quirky. Now, all of a sudden, you look like a genius. He has chickens. You know, like a young single guy, you want to meet women? Tell him you have a chicken, right? Right? The new that's the new uh, that's the new BMW right there, two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. There's a lady in Miami who teaches outdoor uh, yoga classes. They've really become popular. She gets over a hundred people at outdoor yoga on Saturday mornings and live streams them to many more who participate via the web. The first Saturday of the month, 
this year. She drew an especially large crowd. The weather was nice, and people had made New Year's resolutions to exercise, work out, etc. So she's out there in this park in Miami doing this outdoor yoga. The first 45 minutes of the class were just fine. Breathing exercises, upward and downward dog, warrior, triangle, you know, everything is going great. Everybody's focused. They found their chakra. They've got their hips. Everything's good. Then a rustling noise, a loud thud, and a blood-curdling scream, which, as you can imagine, is hell on a yoga class. Apparently, a man named Michael, who was participating in the class and relaxing on his back during the yoga class, was struck in the face by an iguana that fell out of the trees. He was bleeding. said it felt like a sandbag hit me in the face. The first thing that went through my head was it must have been a coconut. (laughs) That was the first thing? But there weren't any coconut trees. And then I thought maybe the guy next to me slugged me. Does that happen a lot in yoga? Is it like hockey? Fights break out? I don't know. I've never taken yoga. I didn't know there were fights. Then I thought the guy next to me slugged me, but I mean, we're in a yoga class. Um, others informed him that his assailant was a green iguana weighing between 20 and 30 pounds. Iguanas are known for often falling from trees. They lapse into temporary paralysis when temperatures drop below a certain uh, level and, and they just become kind of goofy or, you know, uh, woozy. Uh, this one fell from about a height of 25 feet. So imagine a 20 to 30 pound animal. That's like a, that's like a small dog falling like off the roof of your house onto your face. And you're not expecting it. You never are, right? I, I've often said that. You, when the iguana hits you, you're never ready. I've never said that. Um, he is okay. He was tended to by paramedics. Uh, <laughs> Imagine, imagine telling people you had to call paramedics to your yoga class. That is, that's not good publicity for yoga. He uh, had a swollen eye, a cut lip, uh, but he is uh, recovering. Um, and people have been very nice to him. He's even received flowers from strangers. And another uh, yoga student gave him an anti-inflammatory tea. See, that's the good thing about being in a yoga class. Everybody wants to comfort you. So uh, it doesn't say here in the story how the iguana made out. You know, did anybody comfort the iguana? I'm just saying, you know. So you, there's, are there not two victims in this story? I think there are, you know, just saying. So, uh, yeah, the iguana, and, you know, the iguana didn't mean anything by it. it was, I'm sure it wasn't aiming for Michael. One minute the iguana's up in a tree. Next minute, it's in a yoga class. We all know how that feels. 210-599-5555 as we talk restaurants on the dish. I'm kind of uh, thinking, too, that, um, like, you know, if you're, if you're giving a speech and you get a heckler, you've got to, like, go back to the speech. At some point, you've got to settle everybody down and continue your speech. If you're teaching a class and a kid acts up or acts the fool or is disruptive, you've got to interrupt to take him out and put him in the hallway or take him to the principal's office. But 
Like, can you really resume a yoga class once something like this happens? And again, I don't take yoga. I don't know. But it seems like, seems like that would be the end of the class right there. Like, everybody needs to just go home. We'll, we'll try this again next Saturday. That's, that is something. So, I, uh, I guess you could be very philosophical too about it. I mean, if that happened to you, you might start re, you know, questioning everything in your life. Like, why me? Why now? Of all the places the iguana could fall. Does it say something? Does it mean something? Is God trying to tell me something? What is he trying to tell me? And what does the iguana have to do with it? My brother had iguanas. When we, when we were young, he, he got his own place. He had a couple of friends. They got an apartment. And they had iguanas as pets in a big, uh, gla- what do you call it, like an aquarium or a glass case. And they were young and stupid, and they didn't really, you know, they weren't really bought in on the iguana thing. It was just like a, they did it on a lark, and the iguanas were getting bigger and bigger. And as he tells the story, it got to the point where they were, you know, getting too big for the box or the cage or the whatever it was, the tank. And um, apparently they don't smell too good. So you know what he did? And I know this is wrong, but, you know, statute of limitations is up. They, they had, I think they had two of them by this point. They took them down into like a green belt and just turned them loose, which is totally wrong because they probably can't live that way. But I always thought to myself, what if on the other hand, they not only lived, but they got mad? Like what if you let those iguanas go and they got mad and they got big and they started eating stray dogs and cats and, you know, slow walking pedestrians and then you know then they're now they're huge and they're po'd at the human race for the abandonment i mean that's that's a movie right there right isn't that the winnie the pooh movie that's coming out next month you know they made a horror movie of winnie the pooh and the whole the whole premise is that winnie and his friends were abandoned by christopher robbins so they got 12 feet tall and they're bloodthirsty and angry i could see the iguanas going that route you know we'll never know Hi, Bernie. This is Joe Biden. I'd like to place an order for lunch if I could. Well, I'd like to have a bacon cheeseburger with American cheese and a side of French fries. We'll have someone come pick it up, okay? And we've got cheeseburgers. We've got cheeseburgers from (laughs) Ghost Burger. Yes. I ordered them and I said, This is Joe Biden calling. I said, Huh? Oh, yeah, we're all saying that, Joe. All right, on the uh, JR poll, question was, should the voting age go up? Should it be lowered, or should it just stay the same where it is at 18? Well, most people think that. 63% said keep it the same. 30% said raise the voting age. And 7% said lower it. We'll have a new JR poll question on Monday at 4, or you can find the poll anytime, all the time, at KTSA.com. And speaking of anytime, all the time, if this show is not on at the optimum time of day for you, just take it with you and where and when you want it. Just listen on demand, whole episode podcasts, which Don Cooper lovingly prepares 
with his own two hands. No, I are I, available. I wear <laughs> I wear gloves when I put these things together. I'm sorry it, with um, with <laughs> gloves in case he's been handling rectums. He puts these together, and they're available on demand at KTSA.com. So I used to, when people used to say, oh, I don't like your time slot. First of all, I've been on every time slot. You can't, you can't complain to KTSA management. They've put me everywhere. But now I say to them, well, look, just, just move me. You know, you, you want the show at nine o'clock? Listen at nine o'clock. You want the show at 10 o'clock at night? Put it at 10 o'clock at night. You'd like it to be removed from the, Schedule completely. I think eventually you'll get that wish too. But for now, you can listen on demand at KTSA.com. We were talking about the falling iguana, and Karen wanted to call in on that on KTSA. Hi, Karen. Hi, Jack. How are you? Good, good. You heard about the guy that got hit in the face with an iguana. Yes. Yes, I have a great iguana story for you. So You know me. I'm always, I'm always up for a great iguana story. I know. Well, who isn't, right? Um, right. So, my boyfriend in college, who's now my husband, he and his roommate had iguanas, and I hated them. And I would always call before I went over there to make sure they were put up. And in the wintertime, they would frequently tell me they were put up, and they weren't, but they weren't moving because, you know, it was winter. Yeah, And they right. were too cheap to have heat. Okay, so they moved out of the apartment into a duplex, and one of the iguanas over the years got sick and died. And I'm, I'm kind of embarrassed but kind of proud to say it was my idea to take the big dead iguana and knock on the people we shared, they shared the duplex with and tell them that it came up in the toilet that morning. Oh. Oh, man. oh why would you do that? I just thought it was funny. <laughs> you probably traumatized those people for life. Yeah, well, I think we came clean after they were... There you go. Family. There you go. Um, what happened to the other iguana? You know, the roommate took it. I don't know. We got married that oh. summer, and the roommate took oh. it. So, How long do they live, typically? I, you know, I'm not You know, I'm not the iguana expert. I don't know, yeah. but they had these yeah. for years. Yeah, they, yeah, they do they seem to last big. a long time. Yeah, they, they get huge. They yeah, big. they get huge. Don, what was the, what was the story with the one we had in the lobby at KTSA? Do you, do you remember that one, Don? I remember it, but and I'm trying to think of because it that was kind of our mascot here at the building, but um, I, I don't uh, recall where it came from, yeah. who it belonged to. It just you would have loved this, Karen. You would have loved this. It used to be when you walked into the lobby at KTSA, there was a giant iguana in a cage right in the lobby. Right, I mean, right the first thing you'd see, not a logo or a, first thing you'd see is this big stinky iguana. The face of KTSA, maybe. I hey, sadly so, yeah, yeah. And I didn't know, like, and, and so anyway, Karen, thank you for the call, by the way, and you have a good weekend. I, I really didn't know when I came to work there, Don, what the, like, was I supposed to get this or know it or, you, and you don't really know, was it just, it just probably belonged no, to somebody. I was right? going to bring it up earlier, but I was not yeah. sure if you had, were here when, uh, you know. Yeah, no, it was still alive that, uh, when I uh, mm-hmm. when I came here. I just, but, uh, but I don't know the backstory. I can't remember yeah. the backstory behind it. Well, but. I know eventually, you know, we had a lot of layoffs. Maybe they just laid off the iguana. You know, maybe. Well, I think it passed away, and I think that's what. Well, that's because, the story they because put it, out. Don. Because it was what you would say that, but they probably he probably just went to Kono. Because you know, well, <laughs> we we all showed up at work and it was gone. 
Yeah. Well, so. That's the story of radio, isn't it, when you think about <laughs> well, it? I mean, there's, a, there's been a lot of people we worked with that were like that. You know, they were there on Thursday. They weren't there on Friday. So I'm just saying, I think he probably... I think he's probably doing afternoons in Kerrville, is what I'm thinking. But anyway, um, yeah, that was that was the face of KTSA. I'm not sure what the face of KTSA is now, but probably an improvement over that. Um, well, our corporate mascot now is the one-eyed dog. So, yeah, that's a, that's a step up. That's an upgrade. That's a story for another day. Hey, have a good weekend. Uh, keep an eye on the sky for iguanas, and I'll see you here Monday at 4.